Hey, my name's Gary Rayburn, and I want to introduce you to Lonesome Road Ministry. It's a ministry all about truckers and their families and whosoever's that are out on the road. We do podcasts, we do radio programs, and we do a CD ministry. And I hear from drivers every day who have been touched, have been changed, and their families are getting saved and changed. And I want to share a couple real quick testimonies with you from some of the drivers that have called in. Here's a driver, and this tells you how our ministry works. And it's very simple. One hand to the other hand. A driver handed this guy a CD, and he ended up getting saved. He's in church now. And he's become a part of our ministry. Hey, Gary. My name is Mark Yako, and I'm a truck driver. And this morning, somebody handed me CDs. And I listened to them, and I would love to talk to somebody. I'm on the road, and, and if someone could call and talk to me, I would really appreciate it. Thank you. Someone handed him a CD, and it changed not only his life, but it changed his family's life at home. I talked to Mark, and he told me that that CD had changed his life. He'd given his heart to the Lord, and him and his family were now in church, and they wanted to become a part of what we're doing. So they get our CDs on a regular basis and pass them on. They hand them to somebody else. All right, I got one more testimony I want to share with you. This testimony here was from a driver who got saved, his wife got saved, both their children got saved, and three dispatchers got saved from this one CD. Listen to this testimony. You don't realize my whole family has been dedicated or gotten saved because of that one CD that y'all made. I just wanted to let you know that. I mean, I can't stop praising God every chance I get. And I've actually talked to my company. I talked with U.S. Express. And uh, they're on board with it. Other people that's been touched by this CD, you've got three dispatchers that got saved because of that CD at U.S. Express. But I just want to praise y'all, and I just want to let y'all know what God is going through, y'all. Well, I thank you all for listening, and I appreciate any support or help that you can give us. We covet your prayers. I'm going to be praying for you, and I'm praying that God will continue to bless your company, your business, your church, your health, your finances. We are blessed and highly favored if we choose to walk in it.
around the town There's so much I gotta see I gotta look around I got diesel smoke rolling From two crumb stacks My address is 408-414 A big blue Mac Now it don't matter where I'm going I just gotta drive I have the white line fever to the day Hey friends, that was Dennis McKay bringing you the song The Road Is My Life, and that song was written by Dennis McKay and none other than our good friend, Chaplain Gary Rayburn of Lonesome Road Ministries. He is very multi-talented, especially when he gets around somebody like Dennis McKay that has talent, huh Gary? That's what it takes to be uh, successful at anything is surround yourself with people that know what they're doing. That's exactly right. I've always found that out. I don't have to be the smartest guy in the room, but today we're very honored to listen to a pastor that knows the Word of God, but not only knows the Word of God, he knew God. He served God for over 40 years. He passed away this past August in 2018. The world has lost a good servant. But today this message is a serious message that Pastor Rick brings to all of us. This message right here has changed a lot of lives. And not just lives out there in the world, it's changed a lot of lives inside the church house, hasn't it, Gary? It sure has, yeah. This this message here, uh, Rick Dawson preached, and he's from Heber Springs, Arkansas, was where he pastored the church at. And our good friend, Galen Taylor, who used to have Faith on the Move Ministries, that's where he was from. And that's how we got a hold of this message. A truck driver who is in Rick Dawson's church passed it on to Galen, and Galen sent it up to me, and... We got to duplicate this message and come to find out Rick Dawson was from our area right here in Southern Illinois. He was born in Christopher, Illinois, raised in West Frankfurt, and he was originally from this area and he pastored a church in Illinois. But Rick will tell you all about pastoring that church in Illinois on this message today. It's amazing how God works in mysterious ways from a truck driver, giving it to a chaplain in West Memphis, Arkansas at a chapel. And then it ended up on Lonesome Road's desk. And today, you get to hear this message. Let this message speak to you. But first, we have another awesome song. This is off of our uh, Lonesome Road Volume 2 CD. And uh, this is a song that I fell in love with years ago. I didn't write this one, but I wish I had. But it was written by Earl Redner. And the name of this song is The Cross and the Grill. And it's about a trucker that was trucking across Arkansas one day.
You know, I was coming across Arkansas just a while ago. I'd been out west for a week or so. I just came through Little Rock, and I was making real good time. I came up on the back of this Dallas-Memphis mail truck. Apparently, the driver saw the cross in my grill. He picked up his mic, and he said, Well, pass the plate and pay the lady. You know, it just run all over me. I could feel the hair raise up on the back of my neck. I picked up my microphone and I said, Driver, I think it's a dirty, rotten shame that you compare what Jesus Christ did on the cross for what somebody else might have done. The radio was kind of quiet, but God was keeping a clear channel. In a couple minutes, he came back to me. He said, Preacher, is it real? I said, Yes, driver, it's real. But I still didn't want to talk to him. I was kind of upset with him about the way he talked about the cross and what Christ had done for me. A couple of minutes went by and he came back again. He said, Preacher, how do you know it's real? I said, Driver, I used to leave home with a fifth of vodka sitting between my legs, a bottle of speed upon the dash, two cartons of cigarettes to make sure I didn't run out from truck stop to truck stop. Wasn't hardly anything I wouldn't do or say. But you know, when Jesus Christ came into my life, I never needed none of that no more. A couple minutes went by, he said, Preacher, would you pull over and pray with me? I want to be saved. I said, yes, driver, I will. You got to pray from your heart and not your head. You got to mean what you say. I met him at the back of my truck and we began to pray. I know my brother accepted Jesus that day. And before too long, we were back in our trucks and on the road again. I went back to him on the microphone and I said, driver, how do you feel? He said, with every mile that I drive, I feel that much better. I said, driver, if I never see you on this earth again, I will see you in heaven. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Gary, I get blessed every time I hear that song. I think of two old truckers going down the highway over across I-40 in Arkansas in the middle of the night on that old rough road. <laughs> it's rough. It's rough. They smoothed it out a little bit, but it's rough. But that is a powerful song. And speaking of powerful, Gary, I don't know how many times I've listened to this CD and this message from Pastor Rick Dawson, but this is the message of a hell-bound pastor. That ought to get your attention. Matthew chapter number 19. Something happened this year that has never happened to me before. And um, sometimes God does something and, and you really have no explanation for it. But at the beginning of the year, I had a preacher down in Mississippi ask me to come and share my testimony. And he said, I just want you to preach your testimony. He said, we're going to have a, a series of Sundays and he said, the Sunday you're going to preach is just about salvation. 
Well, I preached my testimony, and I never really had done that before. I'd only alluded to it, but I, I preached it. And that morning after the uh, uh, message, the invitation, there were eight adults that came, eight church adults that came forward to be saved. There was one deacon, and I'll tell you, there's nothing better than a deacon getting saved. That's, that's one of my favorite things, is just to see a, a deacon get saved, amen? But anyway, we had eight folks saved, and then he called me, or, or sent me a, a, a letter, actually, and he told me that after that, several more folks got saved, and I was real encouraged about that. And then I was preaching down in Benton, Arkansas at a youth uh, meeting, and, and, and Friday night I preached again, and I shared my testimony, and we had 15 saved. Amen. And then after the service, people were being saved. I don't know how many got saved, but it was a wonderful thing. Then we were at camp at Windsor Hills, and uh, we had uh, 40 saved. Amen. And then two weeks ago on Wednesday night at a youth conference, on one night we had 56 people Saved, And the thing that really impressed me was that there was a pastor that got the assurance of his salvation. Two youth directors got saved. Two pastor's wives. Two youth director's wives. And then there were several Christian workers like Christian school teachers and, and other workers that got saved. And you know, I remember what uh, George W. Truett said before he died. He was the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas, many, many years ago. And someone asked him, they said, Pastor Truett, if you could have one thing before you die, if you could have one wish granted, what would you wish? He said, I wish half my people were saved in my church. He said, I'd like to have half the folks in my church saved. Now, folks, I, I don't know what will happen tonight. It doesn't matter if I preach God's word and the spirit of God is here, which he is. Whatever God wants to happen will happen. But I want you to listen. I know it's late. And I wasn't going to even preach this. Brother Stanley said, you just go ahead. And so I am. And so if you need to leave, go ahead. But I'm going to, I'm going to preach this as quickly as I can. Matthew chapter 19 and verse number 16. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And he saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus saith, said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. You know something? You and I know that keeping the commandments will not save you. But why did Jesus respond in that manner? Why did Jesus ask this young man or basically tell this young man that these are the things that he had to do? I asked myself that question for quite a while, but then I understand this, and this is such a powerful truth. The commandments not, cannot save you, but the commandments can sure make you lost. 
And ladies and gentlemen, what Jesus was doing here, he was speaking to a self-righteous young man. The truth is that this young man lied. He had not kept all the commandments from his youth up. But this young man didn't come to Jesus to get something. He came to Jesus to show Jesus how self-righteous he was. He came to Jesus to show Jesus that he was living a life that basically was above the law. And of course, that was not true. But you know, Jesus was not in any way intimidated by what this young man said. He said, okay, I'll tell you what. Here's what you can do. Go out and sell all that you have and follow me. And immediately, the young man shut up and he walked away because the Bible says he had great riches. Now, I want to show you something in this portion of Scripture that is so important. This young man came to Jesus, but he came to Jesus with the wrong motive. And because he did, he didn't get saved. He could have gotten saved, but he didn't get saved because there was no conviction in his life. He had no conviction. He didn't come to Jesus broken like so many others did. He came to Jesus actually with the agenda of showing Jesus how good he was. And I'll tell you one thing, no one comes to Jesus like that and gets saved. Nobody. Now turn with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 8. Very familiar scripture here in Acts chapter 8, verse number 9. Acts 8, verse 9. But there was a certain man called Simon which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, now notice what they said about him, this man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Look at verse 18. And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive Received the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore of this thy wickedness, and pray God if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. Ladies and gentlemen, here is a man that was involved in sorceries, and he came to, to the point where he believed. The Bible says clearly that in verse 13, he believed also, and he was baptized. But he wasn't saved. This man's not saved. You say, how do you know? Well, take a look here. Look, the Bible says, I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. That's not the testimony of a Christian. That's not the testimony of a person who's saved. You say, but he believed. Hey, the devils believe and tremble. This man isn't a Christian. He had ulterior motives. But here's the thing that really sticks out about him. And this is what bothers me today in our churches, is here there is no repentance. 
Notice what Peter said in verse 22. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Those two elements are missing so often in our invitations, in our services, and the altar call, and especially in our soul winning. No one gets saved unless they are first convicted of their sin. And no one gets saved unless they repent of that sin and turn to God. I was born in, at an early age, and many of you were too. When I was five years old, my folks said to me, it's time to get saved. You're, you're old enough now to understand. Now, I came out of the church of God, and some of you have heard me preach. I've shared that with you. I came out of the church of God. And the church of God, they believed in salvation, but they were Arminian in belief. They were all millennial. They, they were messed up. But they did preach salvation. And my parents were very concerned that I got, would get saved. And so at the age of five, my dad said, son, you don't want to go to hell, do you? And my dad's a good man. I love my dad with all my heart. But my dad, he, he just felt like that I had come to the point where I needed to get saved. So he said, son, you, you don't want to go to hell, do you? And I said, no. And what five-year-old does want to go to hell? He said, you want to go to heaven, don't you? I said, yes, sir, I want to go to heaven. He said, okay. He said, if you want to go to heaven, let's pray. And I prayed a prayer like this. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died for me. I'm sorry for my sin. And the best I know how, I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sin and save me. I prayed a prayer like that. Now, will a prayer like that save you? Absolutely. But I was under no conviction. I didn't repent of my sin. I prayed a prayer. When I got done praying, my dad made this statement. Do you feel better? I said, yeah, I feel better. He said, okay, son. He said, Sunday we're going to go and uh, tell the preacher you got saved. So Sunday morning, I went up there up front, and the pastor put his arm around me, and they called me Ricky. And they said, little Ricky got saved. He got saved. Aren't you happy? Amen. We're all happy. All right, we're going to go baptize him. So they baptized me. And so there I was. I prayed a prayer. I, I believed. I got baptized. Joined the church. On my way to hell. The problem is this. I hung on to that thing. I hung on to that prayer. And I'll tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, just to shorten this, I, I went through my adolescent years, I went through my high school years, and here I was getting ready to go to Bible college to be a preacher. And so my mom, she got sick. And, and through her sickness, she nearly died, and she was bedridden, and she started watching Jerry Falwell on television. Now, I, I don't have anything to do with Lynchburg or, 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 or Liberty anymore, but that's where I went to school. But before you criticize me, understand, I was in the church of God. I didn't know anything. So... Anyway, my mom said, I want you to go down to Lynchburg. I want you to go down to that Baptist college. I said, I'm not going down to Baptist college. I said, that's like a cult. <laughs> See, that's what they taught me. The damnable doctrine of eternal security. Oh, that's all we talked about. Man, we are to be careful with the Baptists. If the Baptist comes around, you've got you to watch it. So, anyway... I said, I don't want to go down there. I don't want to be a Baptist. And so my dad said, look, son, 
Your mom wants you to go. She, she may not be around much longer. You do it for your mother. So I said, okay, I'll go down there for a year. And so anyway, I went down there. And I got down there, and we had to build our own bunks. We had this old condemned camp down on the James River, and we had to build our own bunks. We didn't have hot water until December. We didn't have heat in there until November. I mean, it was amazing. I, I used to think of college ivy walls. Ivy walls. Instead, I had weeds. <laughs> Two to a room. I had 26. 26 guys, and I happened to be bunking with a guy that reminded me of Ernest. Remember Ernest? <laughs> I'm not kidding you. He had a light blue shirt and gray polyester pants. That wasn't so bad. He had five sets of the same clothes, and he never washed them. He only rotated them. <laughs> and I was, I was bunking with that guy. Well, I got down there, you know, and I thought, I thought I'm going to tell these guys a thing or two. So anyway, we had devotions the first night, and I said, I want to say something right off the bat. And they said, okay. And I said, my name's Rick Dawson. I'm from south side of Chicago. And I said, I just want you to know I'm not a Baptist. I don't want to be a Baptist. I said, I think all of you guys are wrong doctrinally. And so one guy said, well, why are you here? I said, I'm here because my mother was dying and she wants me to be here. But I said, I just don't want you cramming anything down my throat. I didn't know beans about anything. I never read my Bible. I didn't read my Bible. You'd be amazed at how many people don't read their Bibles, especially when they're not saved, amen? amen. So I never read my Bible. I not, so one guy came up to me and said, hey, uh, since you're from the church of God, I want you to tell me what you believe. I said, okay. I said, I believe the Bible. <laughs> That's a good answer. I believe the Bible. I believe the Bible is the word of God. I know, but what do you believe about the Bible? I believe all of it. <laughs> That's the best I could do. I didn't know anything. And he, and he gave me some good advice. He said, hey, before you start knocking us, he said, you better start reading your Bible. So I did. I read my Bible through in two months. I mean, I got in that Bible, and I read that Bible. And so after I got through the Bible, I got up one night and I said, I'm a Baptist. I'm a Baptist. You're right. I'm a Baptist. But I didn't want to tell my parents I was a Baptist because they said, the one thing we don't want you to do is go down there to college and become a Baptist. So I said, okay, I won't do that. But I was a Baptist, but I wasn't saved. So now I believed I was baptized, and I'm a Baptist. I figured that's it. Next step is heaven. Well, boy, Dr. Falwell used to have some good preachers. One thing about Dr. Falwell I've got I've to commend him for. He would have the, he loved those old preachers. Man, he loved the men of God, and he would take care of them and bring them in. And it just so happened that I, have, I came into the Baptist movement, independent Baptist movement, right when all those old-timers were still preaching. I, I love Brother Thompson, and, and I'll tell you something. I love Brother Thompson for several reasons, but I just love him for his generation. I love him for, the, for where he came from. But I'll tell you, I got to hear John R. Rice. I got to hear Bill Rice. I got to hear Lester Roloff. I got to hear all those guys. But one guy that really impressed me was J. Harold Smith. God's three dead lies. 
I'm telling you what, I was sitting in the back when he was preaching that message. I was hanging on to the pew. I thought I was sliding into hell. When he talked about uh, the three deadlines, sending away the day of grace, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, and a sin unto death, I thought I was involved in all three. I'm hanging on back there with all of my life, and he's preaching, and the Spirit of God is convicting me, telling me, you're not saved. You're not saved. And my mind, see, our minds really get us in trouble. My mind is saying, but I prayed. I prayed, and I was baptized, and I did all of that. And yet, man, the Spirit of God has convicted my heart. And I remember Dr. Smith was talking about the fact that I think it was in Atlanta, Georgia. He was preaching one time, and, and some men were heckling him. They were making fun of him. And he asked them to quit, and they wouldn't quit. And he asked them to leave, and they just kept on. And so he stopped, and he said, you men will be dead by tomorrow at this time. That's what he said. He told them that they would be dead. I tried that a few times in my church, but <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> well, anyway. Anyway. He's telling, he's telling about these four men, they all die. And I thought I was going to be the fifth. I did. Man, that's when conviction, see, when conviction hits you, it's hard to explain it to somebody that's never had it. But if you've ever had it, you know what it's like. I thought I was going to slip off into hell. And so I'm, I'm sitting back there, and I'm rationalizing the situation. I'm thinking to myself, okay, here I am in Bible college to be a preacher. My parents don't want me to be a Baptist. I prayed a prayer when I was five. What am I going to do? But the Spirit of God is saying, come. The Spirit of God is convicting my heart. So about the, honestly, about the 20th verse, here I came down the aisle. I came down the aisle. And you know what Dr. Smith did? Dr. Smith is standing up there, and he points right, right at me. I'm about here, and he's up here, and he steps over the, uh, the platform, the end of the platform, and he points at me, and he said, right there, right there is what it's all about. And he's pointing at me. I wanted to go back to my seat. I mean, it made me so embarrassed. I was such an introvert when I was young. But I, I came on down and I got on my knees and I began to pray. But before I could really pray, a man touched me on the shoulder, a deacon. Now, let me tell you something about Virginia deacons. One thing you can always spot a Virginia deacon because he has a fat belly and a short tie. I mean, you can always spot the deacons in Virginia because they got a belly like this and their tie is about right here. That's how you know you're a deacon. You can be a deacon if you get a short tie and you have a fat belly. So... This, this deacon comes up to me. He, he comes up to me and he says, why'd y'all come? Well, I'm a northerner. I don't speak southern. Why'd y'all come? I mean, he's kind of rough with me. Like, what are you doing down here? I said, I came down here to pray. Now, I should have said I came down here to get saved. But I didn't. He says, son, let's go in the back room. Now, let me tell you something about Church of God. We don't go to back rooms. No, we don't go to back rooms. We do our work at the altar. We do not go to any back room. I didn't know what was back there. I said, I'm not going to back room. He said, son, let's go back to prayer room. I said, hey, 
I'm going to stay right here. Now, see, in the church of God, here's what they do. This is so tragic, but it's true. Somebody comes down to the altar. One guy is over here with his arm around him saying, let go, let go, let go. Another guy's on the other side saying, hang on, hang on. You don't know what to do. Hang on or let go. So I just told that guy, I said, I just want to pray. So I got down there, and I said, Lord, if I wasn't saved when I was five, I want to be saved now. That's not the prayer I needed to pray. I knew I was lost. But see, I was ashamed. Pride had come into my life. I didn't want to acknowledge it. I wanted to just, like a secret agent, just take care of it, go back to my seat, and say it's okay. Nobody even needs to know. That's what I did. I finished praying, went back to my seat, didn't feel any better. And Dr. Falwell said, okay, everybody who got saved, come right up here. Everybody that got saved, I want you to line up right. Oh, there were a bunch of folks that had gotten saved. And so he even had each one shortly give a testimony about their salvation. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. And here I am sitting back at my seat, miserable. I didn't go forward. I didn't confess it. I said, okay, Lord, if I didn't get prayed when I was five, I came down there, I prayed a prayer, I'm okay. Now I'm going to tell you something. The Lord hardened my heart. I really believe that. Because he didn't speak to me for a long time. But you know what I did? I graduated from Bible college, and then I went to work at a church. And I worked at that church for about two years. Then I went to Southern Illinois. There were no churches down there. I was going to start a church. Went to Southern Illinois. I met a pastor who needed a youth director and, 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 and other things. And so anyway, I went to work for him for five years. I'm not saved. I mean, I worked hard. I was out visiting, soul winning, bus route, all of those things. Spent sometimes 12, 15 hours a day at church. Not saved. Listen, I preach straight, man. I'll tell you, even, even before I got saved, I knew that not only was the Bible the Word of God, but I knew that God was very specific about what He wanted from His people. Something that we need to get back to today. Let me tell you something. God is a holy, righteous God, and we need to be holy, righteous people. And I knew that in my head. See, my head was full of knowledge. My head was full of infinite information. But my heart condemned me. And the Bible, one of the, one of the evidences of salvation is the Bible says your heart doesn't condemn you. But my heart was condemning me. I never enjoyed preaching on hell. I never enjoyed preaching on judgment. And I sure didn't want to hear about the rapture. But man, I'd get up there and I'd preach away. I would preach, boy. I'd get to preaching, you know, and had a good time doing it. But man, my heart, I was empty inside. But I thought, well, the reason I'm empty inside is just I don't spend enough time with the Lord. So I would try to spend time, more time with the Lord and, 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 and do more things. Well, after I got done there, I decided, you know, it was time to go start a church. So I went out and started a church. Started the church, got the church going and on its feet, and the church began to grow. But man, inside, I'm worse than ever. So, August 1988, I'm 34 years old. I'm sitting at Triple S Christian Ranch with my kids. 
It's an afternoon service, or morning service, I'm sorry, 11 o'clock service. Preacher was preaching, I knew him. As he preached, he stopped right in the middle of the message. Just right in the middle of the message. He stopped, and here's what he said. He said, I feel impressed to say that there is a preacher here that's not saved. And you know what I'm doing? Yeah, you know, I think there's probably one not saved too. Because, you know, the way those guys act when they get on the basketball court. You know, Brother John, what I'm talking about. I thought, there's probably some guys not saved right here. And then, man, the Holy Spirit says, hey, it's you. And you know what? This preacher is looking right at me. I hate it when the preachers just look right at you. I mean, he's looking right at me like I'm the only one there. Now, actually, he wasn't doing that, but that's the Spirit of God, say. If you've ever been under conviction, sometimes you feel like the spotlight's on you. You feel like you're the only one there. You feel like everybody's looking at you. But the worst thing of it all, I look over on the other side, and the girls are on one side, the guys are on one side, and I'm looking over, and my wife looks at me. And here's what she says. I could read her lips. I could tell. She said, is it you? Oh, that made me mad. I mean, I got hot. I'm looking at her like, what are you doing? (laughs) All right. He goes on with his message. I'm thinking in my mind, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? All these preachers know me. I know everybody here. I've started a church. I've been preaching hard to these people for for the last four years. Am I going to go home and tell them I got saved? Man, I was in a dilemma in my mind. Now listen to me. Your biggest enemy can be your mind. See, with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness, not the mind. That's why the devil, he works on your mind. And boy, he was working overtime. Okay, buddy, what are you going to do now? You're, you're in hot water now. You thought you were in hot water before. You're in big-time hot water now. How are you going to get out of this? If you go forward and get saved, what are all these people going to think about you? And then you've got to go before the church and tell them, and they're going to kick you out, and what's going to happen to you? And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, that's right. What is going to happen to me? So invitation time came. Oh, the Holy Spirit was working stronger in my heart than he ever had before. I did not go. I sat there, miserable. I went to the, I went to the preacher, Brother Brown, Dave Brown from, Central, from uh, Decatur, uh, Illinois, Central Baptist Church. I went to him later and I said, hey, when you were preaching that message and you said that, did you think it was me? He said, no, I never thought it was anybody. He said, I just felt impressed to say it. I said, well, it was me. Well, anyway... Friday, you know, everybody's wiped out. We're driving home. and I'm, I'm driving the bus. The kids are wiped out. Everybody's sleeping except me. And boy, I'm really thinking this thing over. And I'm, you know, I'm still miserable. But I fell asleep at the wheel of the bus. We were going over the Mississippi River. I'm 57. And I fell asleep on the, on the bus. And, but fortunately, when I did, my head leaned over and it hit the window. And when it did, it woke me up. And right as I woke up, I was headed right for the side of the bridge. And I swerved to miss the bridge, threw the kids out into the aisle. Brother Dawson, are you okay? I'm okay. I just fell asleep, but I'm awake now. I'm okay. 
everything's okay. But everything wasn't okay. I should have pulled the bus over right there. Now, you can believe this or not, and it doesn't matter to me. It makes no difference to me. I didn't hear an audible, audible voice, but it was like an audible voice. God said, that's it. I didn't hear anybody out loud, but it was like it was out loud. And God said, that's it. I should have pulled over right there, but I didn't. I went on home, and I drove home, and I didn't even unpack the bus. I got out of the bus, ran into the house, and my wife came running after me. She said, what is wrong with you? I said, it's me. <laughs> I'm the one that wasn't saved. She said, you know, she said, I've always thought if anybody's saved, you're saved, until he said that. But she said, when he said that, the Spirit of God spoke to my heart that it was you. I said, I know I got real upset about that. But I said, it was just conviction. And I said, I can't wait. I can't wait any longer. And I fell to my knees right there. And I said, dear Lord Jesus, I am a sinner and I have been wicked. I have been a hypocrite. I have been a liar. And I repent of my sin. And no matter what happens to me now, I don't care. I just want to go to heaven. Amen. I just want to be saved. Amen. I just want to have that peace that passeth understanding in my heart. I got it. Oh, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, I'll tell you what. It was like God kicked over a tub of honey in my soul. And it was oozing all over me. And I'll tell you, you might say, well, emotions aren't that important. Emotions don't save you. But that's the aftermath of getting saved. Man, I'm telling you, all those years of being in the ministry, preaching, ministering and all, and being so empty, all of a sudden I wasn't empty anymore. I was saved. Oh, I'll tell you what, I was so happy. Man, I, I went out the next day. I was witnessing to everybody, you know, because God, God gave me the joy of salvation. He gave me, the, I had the real thing. Well, anyway, Sunday morning we had a guest speaker, so I let him speak, and I told the people, I said, you've got to come back tonight because i got something to tell you, and you've got to be here. The church was full, and I got up, and I didn't get up and say, okay, folks, I just want you to know I got saved. I didn't do that. I went in, into even more detail than I'm going with you. So I got done sharing my testimony. I just wanted to get out of there. But I knew I couldn't do that because I knew the people were confused. So I told the folks, I said, listen, I said, I want you to have time to pray about this. But I said, in, in two weeks, we're going to have a vote. And if you want to vote me out, it's fine. I don't blame you. I've been a liar. I've been a hypocrite. So if you want to vote me out, it's fine. But I said, I want to give you time to think and pray about it, because I know this is shocking to you, but I've just got to be honest with you. This is what happened to me. Well, anyway, when I gave the invitation, you know, normally in our church, people come to the altar. They, nobody went to the altar. They got in line to talk to me. And I thought, okay, I'm going to get it now. They're going to start telling me, all these years you preached this and you preached that, and you were the biggest hypocrite in the church. Oh, man, I knew it was coming. And I thought, well, I've just got to deal with it. That's okay. I'm saved. I can handle it. First lady comes to me, and i got to be honest with you. Out of all the people that could have come to me, the first lady was the one I dreaded the most. <laughs> so I just said, okay, here it goes. And she looked at me, and she said, Brother Rick, I'm not saved either. I don't, 
I, I remember I prayed a prayer when I was little too, but I'm not saved. I've got bitterness in my heart and I'm not saved. Man, and she just fell right down. I thought, hey, this isn't going to be so bad. Forty folks got saved. I couldn't believe it. Now, I want you to understand, I'm a little skeptical because I thought this is a very emotional thing. So I was very skeptical about it at first. But then these people, their lives changed. That lady that was a kind of a monster lady. <laughs> uh, really, man, she, was, she scared me. That woman, her life was totally changed. She became a different person. By the way, that's what the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible does say that when you truly get saved, that you become a new creature? See, that's what really concerns me today. I see lots of people that after they make a profession, they're no different. And you say, but Brother Dawson, you know, they just need time. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, well, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. I understand people have battles and struggles. That's not what I'm talking about. When you get saved, you get a new nature. Well, anyway, I had a radio broadcast. So I got on the radio. I started sharing my testimony. People were calling in getting saved. Amen. I mean, it was unbelievable. Amen. How many people got saved? Well, folks, the thing that I, I want to impress upon you tonight is that even though salvation is simple, the only way you get saved is God's way. Amen. That's the only way you get saved is God's way. Number one, no one comes to the Lord Jesus Christ unless he's drawn. John chapter 6 is very clear. Nobody gets saved unless they're drawn. Here's what happens so often in our church. And we preachers sometimes are even guilty. We preach a message, and sometimes, you know, the message is powerful, and God uses it. But sometimes at the end, we just try to pull people out of their seats. We're trying to get them to come. And I want to tell you, that's the worst thing you can do. Because then you make them a, a, a twofold child of hell. Because they came because you wouldn't leave them alone. And so people come down here. And I'll tell you something. A lot of people get saved because they're in trouble. That's not the same thing as conviction. You know, just because a guy's in trouble and he's made a mess out of everything, he comes down here thinking, okay, salvation will take care of it. That's not biblical conviction. I'm just telling you tonight. Lots of people feel guilty about things. But I want to show you something. You stay with me a couple more minutes. You turn it with me over to the book of, of, uh, of 2 Corinthians. There's a lot of things to say, but tonight, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. I want to show you, this is the best definition of repentance in the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse number 10. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation. So he's talking about salvation here. Godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. In other words, the sorrow of the world doesn't have any benefits. Lots of people are sorry. Sorry they got caught. Sorry they did something and had consequences to it. That's not biblical conviction or repentance. Then here is the attitude of the repentant person. For behold, the self-same thing, that ye sorrowed after a godly sort. 
What carefulness it wrought in you. Yea, what clearing of yourselves. Yea, what indignation. Yea, what fear. Yea, what vehement desire. Yea, what zeal. Yea, what revenge. I like that exclamation point. In all things ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Now let me tell you something tonight. When you truly get saved and you come to Christ on his terms and you're repentant, there is a, a, a desire and there is an appetite in you to let everybody know you've made it right. I'm sick and tired of people who come down and pray a prayer and you never see them again. You never see them. People come down the altar, pray a prayer. What happened to you? They can't even answer the question. You've got to answer it for them. Now that's a bad thing when you're telling them what happened to them and they can't even tell you what happened to them because nothing happened to them. Nothing. Oh man, we go soul winning. You don't want to go to hell, do you? You know you're going to hell. Jesus loves you, and he died for you, and, and you need to pray right now, and we put pressure on people. And I want to tell you something right now. I'm all for zeal, but you've got you to gotta have a balance. And when you talk to people about the Lord, he has to convict them of their sin, and they've got to repent. And we've become afraid to talk to people about repentance because we're afraid we'll scare them away. You can't scare a person away if it's godly repentance and conviction. You're not going to scare anybody away by telling them the truth. Oh, but we're, we're afraid to say that. We're afraid to tell people you're going to change. You don't have to change to get saved, but you're going to change. Now, I'll tell you this. You say, Brother Dawson, you know, this is really not the appropriate place to be preaching this message. We got, we're full. We got all kinds of, of, of godly people here that are from this church, and then the church is full of Christian workers. Hey, I'll tell you something. I was one of those. I was one. And here it is, folks. Here's the thing that bothered me more than any other scripture. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now wait a minute. What kind of people are these people? Church workers. Church workers. People involved in the ministry. Yes. Many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, and I will say, I never knew you. Hey, if the rapture had taken place, I could have easily went to hell from the pulpit. I could take you to three places I should have died. I mean, it's just as serious as I can be. I can take you right now to three places I should have been killed. I supernaturally was spared by the grace of God. But I would have died and went to hell as a Baptist preacher. You know, I've got good friends back here. The Griswoods, I've known them for many years. I was sharing this at camp. 
And uh, their daughter, Rachel, I've known her a long time. She came down in tears to the altar, and I thought she was going to pray with somebody. And I looked over, and I didn't see anybody, but I thought she was going down to pray with somebody. And I'll tell you, I've always been impressed with her. And, and after the service, she came to me in tears, and she said, Brother Dawson, I just want you to know I got saved. I got saved. I thought, praise God, man, wonderful. This other lady came up to me, and she said, Brother Dawson, you don't know me, but I've been to camp uh, before with you. And she said, my husband's a pastor, and I just want you to know I just got saved. Now, can I say something to you tonight? The thing that's really impressed me with all these folks getting saved, not that it has to happen, but I think it's a good thing. Every one of them that I saw, every one of them were broken. They were broken. Tears. There was a brokenness. I so oftentimes see these people coming forward to church, you know, I just got saved, and I'm glad they're happy about it, you know? But it's just like I just got a new suit, you know? I just got saved. Well, maybe they did. But I'll tell you something. When you come into the presence of a holy God, and he puts the spotlight of conviction on your life and shows you how wretched you are and how that you're going to go to hell and be separated forever from God. And you see yourself in the light of God's Word. I don't think you'd go around like this. I just don't. I think there's a brokenness. When you repent, I know when I repented of my sin... Man, I was broken. I was so vile and I was so wicked. But I really had lived in other people's eyes a pretty good life. But in the presence of God, I was wicked. So tonight, there's probably somebody in this room that's not saved. And you may be sitting there like I was, and you're starting to sweat. Maybe you're looking around a little bit. How can I get out of here? And then when, maybe it's, what am I going to do if I go forward? What are people going to think about me? What am I? Forget it. Do you think there's one person in this room that's a true born-again believer that's not going to rejoice? And if nobody in here rejoices, there's going to be rejoices in the, rejoicing in the presence of angels. I would have went to hell as a Baptist preacher. But thank God. Amen. He had enough mercy and grace Amen. to let me live long enough to get saved. Amen. I'm so glad he did. There has to be conviction. There has to be repentance. There has to be confession. And you cannot be ashamed. And I'm, I really don't put oh, much weight on these uh, prayers back at your seat. I don't. You say, Brother Dawson, I just stayed back there, prayed a prayer, took care of it, went home. I don't think so. No. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You know, one thing that has been a blessing since August 6, 1988, 
I've never doubted my salvation one time. Now, I'm not going to say tonight that if you ever doubt your salvation, you're not saved. But if you're continually doubting your salvation, that is contradictory to the Bible. Because the Bible is very clear in 1 John. He gives us assurance and he gives us confidence. Now, you say tonight, well, Brother Dawson, salvation is something you can't see, so you can't be sure of. I want to tell you something right now. Even though we walk by faith and not by sight, when you, when you take the, the promises of God personally, you can count on them. You can tell me tonight that I'm not alive. I know I'm alive. You can tell me tonight I'm not married because my wife's not here. I'm married. Would I have a mother-in-law if I wasn't married? Oh, come on. I'm married. I know some things. And I'll tell you one thing I know. I know whom I have believed in. And am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I know. I'm saved. Gloriously, wonderfully saved by the grace of Are you? You say, Brother Dawson, I don't remember when I got saved. You're not saved. You're not saved. How can you not remember? Now, you may not remember the date. Maybe nobody paid any attention to that. But you remember. If you're saved. You say, Brother Dawson, I prayed a prayer when I was little because my girlfriend prayed a prayer. Uh-uh. No good. We were in an emotional service and everybody was going forward. So I went. No good. No good. See, God will get a hold of you. And he will show you your sin. And then he will draw you to himself. And then you will come into his presence and you will be so convicted that you will be willing to repent of your sin that separates you from God and call upon his name and be saved. Hey, we've we've had the melodies, a couple of the melodies got saved this year, this summer. I'm waiting for the rest of them to get saved. Amen. (laughs) Praise God for that. They're traveling for the college. They're representing the college and the Lord. Amen. They got saved. That makes them better. Hey, it is better when the preacher gets saved. It's better. (laughs) And it's really better when the wife gets saved. Praise God. So I'm I'm just saying to you tonight, there's, there's no pressure here at all. I'm not ringing up numbers, folks. I'm being honest with you. I'm telling you what God has done. But the people have been in the services with me, and some have been in some of those services. I did not high-pressure anybody. I just gave them a testimony and told what happened to me and, told what, and just tell people what the Bible says. Now, can you be honest with me tonight and shake your head? Did I tell you tonight what the Bible says? God does the business. If tonight every person in this room is saved, praise God. If nothing else, it'll help us to be more sensitive and more careful when we're dealing with others. But if somebody here is not saved, you're going to hell. 
and you're going to be separated from God forever because of your pride. And because you will not do what your heart is telling you to do. And I'm telling you tonight, I was there. I want to ask you a question tonight. How many of you would say, Brother Dawson, God spoke to my heart tonight. Just be honest. God spoke to my heart tonight. Be honest about it. Raise your hand tonight. God spoke to my heart. Nobody had my back in a world where the devil held the reins. Nobody in my church even knew that I was going through the pain. But the pills and the whiskey were always there to help me make it through. But through it all I found that Jesus was the one to hold on to. Every week when it came Sunday, I'd put on my act and play the part And if I'd stand and sing His praises No one would ever see my broken heart But somehow I think I knew My shame would make a way and find me out Thank God now I know what love in Jesus really is about. And a lifetime of church, it won't get nobody in. Heaven's only waiting for. Once forgiven for their sin Somehow I've made it through To the place of my new birth Thank God now I can say I finally found my way Through a lifetime of church If you're standing in the place Where you find it's just so hard To let it go And if Jesus came today Are you afraid you might be left here All alone You've held yourself together But God would rather see fall apart You've given him so much But all he ever wanted was your heart In a lifetime of church It won't get nobody 
Heaven's only waiting for The ones forgiven for the sin Somehow I've made it through To the place of my new birth Thank God now I can see I finally found my way Through a lifetime of church Through a lifetime of What a powerful message that was. We told you on the front end, this is a powerful, serious message. And your spirit and your soul being right with God, you don't get any more serious than that. So, drivers today, if you need to rededicate your life to the Lord, if you need to get serious once again with serving Him, then we need to say this simple prayer. But if you've never given your heart to the Lord, if you don't understand how to do that, we'll say this simple prayer with you. Just ask the Lord to come into your heart, forgive you of your sins. Recognize the fact that he is the Lord of Lord and that he gave his life for you. So drivers, we'd be more than happy to pray this prayer with you. Father God, forgive me of my sins. Father, I know that you give your life to me on the cross. And that because of that, I can be forgiven of all my sins and start anew. So, Lord, I pray that you come into my heart today. Let me be new again and start all over with you in a fresh start. So forgive me, Lord. Forgive me of my sins. In Jesus' name. Amen. And drivers, if you prayed that prayer with Daryl, give us a call here at Lonesome Road Ministry at 618-383-2107 or Call Pastor Daryl Spicer. He'd love to hear from you. At 615-663-3199. But call somebody right now. Tell them the decision that you just made, that you're going to live for Jesus from this day forward. And drivers, my friend Gary Rayburn has a song and testimony called At the Foot of the Tree that Dennis McKay uh, recorded for Gary and did an awesome job. And just like Gary Rayburn, if you said that prayer, then you've got a testimony. So let's go to the foot of the tree. At the crossroads of life, lost without hope, 18 wheels of lonesome. The end of the road In my hand was a track The preacher had read His words still echoing In the back of my head I felt so ashamed When I thought of my past Then I called his name This chance would it be my last Then I saw Jesus hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart from down on my knees Today I met Jesus at the foot of the cross 
broken hearted and lonesome So long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree Shared the good news wherever I go. Yes, there's been a change. I'm not the man I used to be. And I tell everybody what's happened to me. How I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past. But I called his name. This chance, could it be my last? Then I saw Jesus hanging on that tree And I lifted up my heart from down on my knees Today I met Jesus at the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome Broken hearted and lonesome So long I'd been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree 